Hey superstars, firstly I want to say happy new year and welcome to episode three. My name's Dr. Dre, but actually without the doctor part. So today's guest, boom, I'm excited, Aisha Ko. So we've been connected on social media for a little while. What I love about Aisha is that she started off her real estate career in the UK for the same company I did, which was Bearstow Eves. Very successful over there, and now she's doing the same thing over here. Before we get into the show, if you need any help with your job search, please reach out to myself or my team. We'd be happy to help. That's what I love to do. My sweet spot is helping sales professionals. So if you wanna get results and have fun at the same time, give us a call, drop us a message, and make sure you enjoy the show. So welcome, Aisha, how are you? Hi, Dre, I'm really well, thanks. I'm really excited to be here today. Thank you so much for having me on. How are you going? Yeah, I'm pumped. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, did you have a good Christmas and New Year? What did you get up to? Uh, to be honest with you, this one was a bit of a weird one because of obviously what's going on in the world and yeah. not really the same. So it's just a really healthy one and productive and being with friends and having lots of food, which I think that's what it's all about, isn't it? Food, food and friendship and family. Yeah, definitely. All right, tell us a little bit about yourself and what, yeah, your background. So I am currently a real estate agent in Geelong in Victoria. I've been in real estate for 13 years now, this, this January actually, this, year, this month. I started off in London, in uh, South London as an agent. I was there for six years, absolutely loved it. And then I moved to Australia in 2012. And I have been um, working as an agent in Melbourne, Geelong, uh, a little, I had a year in Perth as well. And yeah, currently in Geelong working for McGrath Estate Agents in, in Geelong. Yeah. Excellent. And how did you get into sales? What was that first step? Oh, look, for me, it's, it's actually a funny story because I, I knew I always wanted to work with people. I'm a people person. Sitting behind a desk all day, every day, doing the same thing wasn't for me. Um, I did try that when I was a lot younger um, and it, it, I just wanted to work with people. That's where I thrive. That's where my natural talent is and my skills um, are best displayed is working with people. So I originally went for a job role with Emirates airline really? and yeah. yeah, me and my friend, we, we lined up outside the offices in London. Um, we went for the interview day. There's like 150 people there um, they had like 10 rounds, process of elimination. They got rid of loads of people and it came down to like five of us out of like 150 that got through to the end wow. to go and work for Emirates. And I got in and then just at the last minute they said, um, you need to sign a declaration that you don't have any tattoos because you cannot work for Emirates if you have any tattoos. And I had a tattoo, a small one, and I had to... So my girlfriend got in and I didn't because I had this tidy tattoo which I did stupidly when I was younger it was on my wrist so I was covering it up with a watch and they basically said we can't take you because of that and actually whilst I was devastated at the time looking back it was actually the best thing that ever happened to me because I started to get the tattoo removed I had laser treatment got it off but by the time I got it off I'd actually didn't want to go there anymore and do that job so uh. I was looking around, I was like, well, actually, what do I want to do? 
Uh, real estate, I've just seen a lot of the things uh, on TV, the, um, the programs, and I was thinking, oh, it'd be quite quite cool to show people around some nice houses and had no idea what it actually involved. I just saw a little bit from the outside looking in and I put on my suit and printed off a CV and I walked up and down uh, the high street in Maidstone in Kent. Yeah. I went into all the different real estate companies and asked to speak to the manager and asked them if they had any positions going. So how old were you? How old were you I was, I was, I think I was about 20, maybe 21 at the time. Um, so look, I, I literally had no idea. I was, you know, completely a blank canvas to work with, but my attitude was there and I really wanted to learn. I wanted to, um, get stuck in. I was, always early, leaving late, and I absolutely loved it. And within the first six months, I had one top salesperson. So in that office, just in that office, not yeah. you know, throughout the country. So that's kind of how it started, and I never really left. And I still love it to this day. Right. So why do you think that you won you know, top salesperson in the first six months? What is it that you've done differently that the other guys and girls won't it was, Oh, it, it, I... I didn't have as much knowledge as them, but my enthusiasm was just off the charts. I was just so excited. I was learning this new role. I was really enthusiastic. I really wanted to do well um, for myself, but also impress my boss. And um, I think that passion and that transpires when you're, when you're dealing with people and they buy, buy from you. But I had no idea that I was doing it at the time. And I think it is so true. When you love what you do, you do it differently to how you would do something as if it was just on your task list. Totally agree. With everything, your, your, the voice, your, um, your uh, efficiency, your body language, just everything is different. Tell me, what's the highlight of your career so far? Oh, gosh. Uh, if, do I have to pick one? I've probably got two. Okay, give me two because being, <laughs> being in real estate is like a, it's a tough game. It is, it is. Lots of people get into it and then they get out. So my first job, so similar to, to you, um, I got into, I was working for Fair State Eves. So I worked yep, with them. That's who I worked for in London. That was, my, that was the person that I walked into, the agency that I walked into in London was Fair State Eves. So we, we actually worked for the same company. I think that's mm. Check that out. <laughs> and then after about three months, there was a guy called Mark who was the marketing manager. And he was like, oh, I've been approached to open up like, my own office for heart estate agents. You know, the one with like, yep. purple client. And I can see some potential in you. So I'd love you to come along. And I worked there for a couple of years. And the office was probably like the worst performing office. We tried to turn it around, weren't able to do that. And they ended up like closing it as well so so what i'm trying to say is that real estate is a very tough game but i believe that you learn like so much about people about relationships about emotions about people's like lives so yeah tell us more about your like your highlights just before i i do do that you're you're absolutely right you just said um you know it's it's a people business it's not really about yeah. 
property. It is about property, but ultimately this is a business about people. And yes, we are selling houses, but I like to look at my role a bit differently. I like to think that I'm actually a connector. I'm a, mar- a marketer. Yeah. I'm a negotiator. I'm a facilitator. I am a question asker master. Ooh, yes. I am a problem solver. I also extract things from people to help them achieve what they need to achieve. And also you've got to be a bit of a psychologist and an opportunist. So you're actually effectively putting all of those things into one. You're you're not just an estate agent. You have to be all of those things to be successful. So with that, uh, my best highlight, I think... My first highlight was winning uh, Estate Agent of the Year in London out of 80 offices. I had absolutely no idea I was about to win this award, which yes. is based on um, the most number of sales, highest um, commission for the office or for the company, um, highest value. So it's a combination of statistics to win that award. And there was 80 offices. So we'd all get together at the end of the year. There's quite a few agents there out of those offices. And I, there was the same guy would win it every single year, Alex McDonald, every single year. You know, he was just the one. He won it like five years in a row. Anyway, everyone thought, oh, it's going to be Alex. It's, you know, it's going to be Alex. So, um, and then, so I'm drinking a few champagnes at this award, awards night and, um, you know, maybe had one too many in and they, they said my name. And I turned around to Alex and I was clapping him. <laughs> and he looked at me and went, Aisha, that is you. And I was like, what? So I could not actually believe it. It was just, I was just so amazed. I had absolutely no inkling at all. And I had to get up on this stage which was, um, yeah, a bit of a, a challenge in itself. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that was definitely a highlight. I got my little award, which I think is here somewhere. I've actually chipped it. So, um, so why do you think like, you beat Alex? Well, what was it that you, yeah? Well, I, I know, looking back, I know what it was now because I used to work in the same office as him and I purposely oh, sat next to him. So I would literally listen to what he would say and I'd copy him. I'd go, oh, that was really good, Alex. I loved what you said on the phone because we had this open air office. We didn't have these cubicles or anything like that. All the, as you know, all the agents in London, it's just one open room and even the buyers and the owners just walk into the room that you're working in and they sit down at your desk with you, That's right? Yeah, yeah. You don't have like an area that you sit with the buyers and then you go out the back and work on your computer. Everything is open in London in most offices. So I would just sit next to Alex and I would just listen to him and I would maybe write down little things he would say or things he would do and I'd have a book that, like my training book, and I would just reread and refresh and I just copied him. I just copied him. Um, So I think I I learned a lot from being, there was a bit of friendly competition. We we were great friends, Um, but we also worked as a team. We all helped each other. Um, I also had an amazing leader, which definitely think contributed to me winning the award because I was so inspired by Dominic, who was my uh, manager. I had a great relationship with him and he made me want to work harder for him. 
it was just such amazing synergy between us. And he, he made me want to be a better person. He guided me in my personal life as well as my work life. Um, we're still great friends to this day. And he, he was the best manager, one of the best managers I've ever had. And I think when I came to Australia, I was, con- I was looking for my Dominic, you know, because it, it really it help, helps when you work for a great leader. So he, yeah, he definitely helped me win that award subconsciously. He um, guided me through, through that. Like, who've been like your greatest like mentors, coaches? Is there anyone else apart from Dominic that's, you know, that's really stood out? Yeah, look, I, I definitely have met quite a few different people on my real estate journey, and um, some that I sort of connect better with than others um and i mean you've got lots of trainers out there now um but for me one guy that really stands out is peter gilchrist he is um he's a new zealand uh he, he yeah he's a kiwi and he is based in new zealand he does a lot of real estate training in australia and new zealand and he is just so authentic he's not a salesy trainer he's he's very real he's very raw he trains you and challenges you for real life situations mm. not just the scripts and the dialogues you know it's like he's not there's no bullshit you know it's it's raw it's real and he really gets you into the mindset of the other person um quite a bit of psychology there as well and i just love his energy and i think he's probably the best trainer in real estate out there um but look not just the famous people, the, pe- the well-known people or mentors. I think in everyday life you have mentors that are, could be a friend, you know. Um, I have a, girl, a very close girlfriend that, who knows me intricately from the moment I got to Australia. We've been friends. And every time I lose a listing or something happens that's negative, I'll talk it through with her. And we'll work it out because she's not in my office. She's not a colleague. She's not my boss. She's separated from my work, but she's somebody that I can talk through uh, things with. And she can give me another perspective, but she's also in sales, but in a different industry. So it helps. We we understand each other. So she sells something else. She's in pharmaceutical sales. So she comes up with the same challenges. So we, she, I do view her as a mentor in that way. Mm. Um, so I think it's important for everybody to have a few different mentors, not just one that you go to. There's different people for different reasons. What books are you reading or podcasts are you listening to at the moment? Well, I did bring some here for you. So one of the ones, in fact, I've got two, two mainstream ones and then I've got a, a, a few books here that my friend actually wrote. So one of the biggest books, that her best books that's influenced me has yeah. to be by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Very well-known book. I yeah. bet you've got a copy of that. Yeah. Yeah, I've got some, yeah. It is, you could read this book 10 times over and it's just, it's just a good reminder and a good reset to, to read this, you know, every now and then. Great book. Um. Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Have you got that one too? Oh, we can have a little book club, club Dre. <laughs> I reckon we've probably got quite a few of the same books. I reckon we have, yeah. Um, amazing book. Very heavy going in parts, but um, 
yeah, amazing book. Now, another couple of books I'd love to recommend is by a guy called Chris Helder. Do you know Chris? I don't think oh, so. I have to put you in touch with this guy. He is just amazing. So I've, I know Chris. Uh, I've met him many times. I've seen him at conferences. I've had personal one-on-one training with him face-to-face on Zoom. He is uh, this amazing American guy who lives in Australia and he's written a few books. His first book, Youthful Belief, amazing. It's, a, it's not a super chunky one like these bad boys, yeah. but it's a really good book just to have... Um, you can read it in a couple of days, you know, or a night. And again, another one of those books that you can refresh and, and go back to and reset. And it's just about how to, belief is so important. It's not just about believing yourself, but choosing what to believe in and how you, something negative, how you can make that useful for you and turn that into a belief to help you with something else. I'm not sure if I explained that correctly. But I love that. Yeah, I love the sound. Definitely of that. something you should remember uh, read. And then he's written two other books: um, "Cut the Noise." Okay. Yeah. Um. So I haven't actually completed that one. But <laughs> Cut the noise. Okay. Okay. So far, so good. Yeah. So far, so good. And then how to influence people, which is a really good book for obviously if you're in sales. Yeah. Um, how to motivate and inspire motivate yourself inspire yourself to get the results you want and not be a salesy salesperson you've got to be a real person um whilst you're you're working in sales so okay. and what motivates you oh what motivates me good question i think there are a combination of things that motivate me i I, I want to live life to the very best standard i can i want to enjoy every single moment I don't want to get to the end of my life and be like, oh, I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd done that. And I, I do want to experience life in all of its form, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I think that's a privilege that we're even here, that we get to experience life is such a privilege. So don't waste it. So I think just understanding that, um, how lucky I am and how grateful I am to have this life is something I don't want to waste. But also, I don't want to rely on anyone else. I want to be able to form stability in my life over a long period of time so that I can support my friends, my loved ones, my mum especially. And nobody's going to come and hand anything to me. Nobody's going to give anything to me on the plate. I wasn't one of those people. I've come from a council state in London. You know, I've had, I've had nothing. I haven't had anything handed to me on the plate. I've had no inheritances given to me. You know, I've had to get everything myself and I think uh, watching my mum especially work with the work ethics she has and working three jobs just to support me is something subconsciously as a child you watch and you absorb that and you don't even realise and I think that has been embedded in me and it's time to give back to her. I don't want her to get to an age, I'm an only child as well, by the way. So my mum doesn't have anyone else to, to, um, to rely on. So that is probably my biggest motivator is I want to be able to support her and any of my friends that maybe are in adversity or um, cannot do something that I can say, hey, here, here you go, no worries, just do what you need to do, you know? Um, so I, I think there's a combination of reasons. 
to what motivates me. All right, because you're in a tough industry, how do you deal with rejection? So like if there was a full day of rejection, how do you, how do you cope with that? Oh, gosh. Rejection. Our, our wonderful friend, rejection. Mm. Okay, here, here is what I have to say about rejection. I think, first of all, you need to understand that rejection is a natural part of life. All, in all areas of life. And once you understand that rejection is normal and it is okay, and you actually accept that, you find it a lot easier to deal with it. So, when it do, so expecting rejection to turn up in your life, when it does happen and you are prepared for it, you deal with it easier. You can just go, okay, this happened, no worries, move on. Now, I think um, for me, I used to take it really personally when I lost a listing. I'd be so upset. I would just be off the charts, like, you know, and I'd, I'd, I'd try and find out why. And I used to take it really, really personally. But in the last few years, I've, I've now got to the point where I generally can look at, and that's probably the biggest form of rejection in our role is losing the listing. Because um, it's quite, you know, the, you can potentially take it personally. If somebody doesn't want to sell their house with you and they've picked somebody else, there's a reason for that. That is, yeah. yeah. There's two reasons. There's two, there's two reasons that somebody, yeah. that you can, you can look at rejection when it comes to losing a listing. So the first one will be that you didn't do enough to win that business. And you probably know that. When you, when you do go to that listing, so you're a bit lazy in your preparation or there's an area that you didn't cover at the presentation or you didn't deliver your pre-listing kit the night before face-to-face. -face. You know, there's all these steps that you can take to, yeah. to the business. And if you miss one of those and you don't do it with passion, enthusiasm, efficiency and prepare properly, you know that you probably lost that listing because it's your own fault. Right. And you've got to be honest with yourself and go, you know what? I could have done better. I should have done this. I, but instead I went and did that. And, you know, I would have just went home and had my dinner or whatever. You know, if you didn't take all those steps, it's your own fault. Right. Which is not what you want to do. But the second, I think, way to look at rejection is so sorry with that, you, you need to look at it and go, you know what? I could have done better. I'm not going to let that happen again. But with the other form of rejection, it's not personal. It's not your fault. It's just, you did everything right. You did all those steps. You did the pre-listing kit. You did your, you covered every, every area in the, the presentation. You gave the owner. It was perfect. It was perfect. Is that what you're saying? So yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Everything went perfectly. And then they still didn't choose you. Now that that is, they went with another agent, and that's only because they connected with the other person better. Not everybody is the same, so that is when you go. You know what? I did everything right. There's nothing else I could have done. That's okay. They just connected with the other person better. No worries. I move on. But yeah, so I think that learning to move on from rejection is really important because you've got to go out there and find the yes people. You can't dwell on, on what's happened. So um, I always like to look at my appointments and go, what could I have done better? And really sit with it, not for too long, but sit with it and look at it and then 
add what I could have done better to the next one, next appointment to make sure I don't miss it and then just simply move on. Well, I'm a bit conscious of time, so I know you're like how busy you are. <laughs> you, know, so, you know how I love to chat. <laughs> <laughs> well, so just in the, the back, I can see, is that like a, a vision board or what's that that you've got behind you? Yeah, yeah. So um, this is my life board. So these are life all the board, things yeah. that, and look, loads of people do vision boards and stuff like that. And it, it's not really something I just do and then just forget about it. I, I like to do it for what I want to achieve in my whole life and then frame it, put it up on the wall and actually stand in front of it and go, just as a reminder, these are the things that I'm trying to achieve, like a bit of a reset. There's no point doing these things if you're not actually going to look at them. So you've got to sit in front of them and really absorb what's on that board and um, use that in in your life when you're making decisions and, and choices. Like, does this choice or decision fit what I'm trying to achieve? So it's just a bit of a, a reminder. But the thing is, I've done these boards for years now and they change every year. And I go back and look at the board that I did five years ago and go, what? Why did I want that? You know, or I look at it and go, wow, I've got everything on that board. I, I have now. So that's really powerful is to actually keep them and go back and look at them and go, wow, I got, I got everything on there. So, yeah, that's why I do it. And then tell me about how important are like daily habits. Do you have like a morning routine and say like an evening routine? Are you like pretty structured? Or yeah, that? yeah. I think um, if I can give any advice to, to anybody who's getting into sales, it's to get structured and to have a routine. My, I, I, when, you do take a bit of time to try and suss out what, what's right for you. I, I think it's really important to try lots of different things because everybody is different. Not what, every, what works for me might not work for you. So years ago, I was trying to do everything in the morning. I was trying to do my journaling, my reading, my writing, my exercise, my healthy breakfast, my meditation, my yoga. And I was like, okay, I need six hours for this. This isn't, this isn't possible. That's half my day. Yeah. It is, right? So now I've found something that actually works for me. So for me, it's got to be the mornings. So I've got to go to the gym. So I box every morning. Yeah. Um, get those endorphins going to really feel good, get rid of any crap from the day before, um, you know, the, the negativity or just to, just to reset, you know. Yeah. Then I, got to, I do do 10 minutes of meditating every morning after boxing and I have a really healthy breakfast, like a pro, usually protein, eggs, or, or if I really feel like a green smoothie, I'll go for the green smoothie option. But that for me is my morning routine. And then as soon as I'm ready for my day, I'm energized, I feel good. You can hear it in my voice. I'm really happy and positive, probably because I have been working out. So I always make my 10 most important phone calls, maybe working with offers or business that I'm trying to get straight after that because those clients are going to get that energy from me and I'm going to get more out of it than I am calling them at 9 p.m. at night when I'm, I'm absolutely exhausted. So I'm really conscious of that. Evenings, I try and read and something I've been doing recently is just writing down one positive thing that happened to me that day that I'm really grateful for because that's a really good way to end your day and go to sleep with that in your mind is 
that happened to me today and I'm really grateful for that. It can be something really small, doesn't have to be anything too massive, even just having a healthy meal or talking to a friend. So training your brain to go to sleep with a positive thought is really beneficial. Yeah, so what I do is I've started doing this for a little while. So I'll write down what I've liked, what I've learned, what can be improved and what didn't go well. So I've been doing that like every day, which has been yeah that's amazing that's that's so so important i think to look back on what you've done and yeah it's good all right two more questions so what advice would you give to a say like a young salesperson that is you know like scared to to pick up the phone and make those you know those cold calls yeah phone fear yeah (laughs) it's a real thing it is a real thing phone fear is a real thing Oh, look, at the end of the day, people, we automatically think that people don't want to hear from us because we're being a salesperson, but it's so not true. If you make the call in the right way and you've got a reason to call, you've got to know the reason to call them first and you do it with confidence, you'll be so surprised at how many people actually turn around and go, well, thank you for your call. I'm really glad you rang me. Thank you for following up. Even if... if any decent person out there or nice, you know, nice person that's got their head in their shoulders will actually be grateful that you rang them. Even if they don't need anything from you, they've got nothing to sell, nothing to buy. They'll just say, oh, I'm all good, thanks, but I appreciate the call. Thanks for calling. They'll be nice about it. And that's okay. So anyone who reacts badly to you ringing them and, and trying to help them, do you really want to work with them anyway? Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. well, that, or that person's just had a bad day. It's not personal. It's not that because they don't want to talk to you. They may have just found out somebody's passed away. They may have just had a late night and no sleep and feeling a bit grumpy. You know, it, it's not personal. You cannot take these things personally. You might ring that same person back in four weeks and have a completely different energy from them on the phone. So you've got to understand that when you're picking up the phone, it's, it's not about you. It's about them. And just go for it. Just because what comes out the other end is going to be amazing. If you do those calls, you cannot, all your dreams are going to come to fruition if you make the calls. That's all this is, is, is phone calls. And you cannot get the goal without the phone calls. So you've got to force yourself through it. And sometimes, I remember when I first started off in England and I was so scared of picking up the phone and ringing people. And then I'd get off the phone and be like, oh my God, that person was so nice. They were so nice. They invited me round. And, you know, and you just don't know what kind of conversation you're going to have. You just got to bite the bullet and, and do it. And you'll be pleasantly surprised, I think, if you just find a way to, to get over the fear. Yeah, great tip. All right. So, very last question. Is there anything that you'd like to leave, like the audience, or any sort of, you know, tips or advice that you give to, you know, to up and coming salespeople? I, I think that. Um, Look, there's loads of things I could say here, but I think for me, there's probably two things that I could say, which would benefit you straight away if you're looking at getting into sales, is first of all, get organized, is organized your week. You cannot, you cannot just get up every day and just start making phone calls. I mean, you can, but you need to structure your your week. You need to know when are you doing your admin? When are you doing your phone calls? When are you doing your appointments? When do you have the most energy to do the appointments? Because everybody is different. 
for me, I like to get them done in the morning or be on the phone in the morning because that's when I have most energy. So for other people, it might be in the afternoon. So get structured for what works for you and stick to that structure. That's the most important thing, I think. And then the second thing would be after every phone call, if you have a, if it's, it doesn't matter if it's a buyer, a seller or a prospective client or even a current client, you've already got their business. After every phone call, ask the question, is there anything else I can do for you today? Is there anything else I can do for you today? Doesn't matter who you're speaking to. Is there anything else I can do for you today? It's just that it's such a nice way to end the phone call. And if they say no and they're not a current client, uh, you might want to follow them up again in three months. Ask them the question, is it okay if I check in with you in three months' time to see how you're going? I think those two questions are so important in sales. You, and actually just asking questions overall is probably the most important part of our role as being a, a question asker. Questions and answer. Aisha, thank you very much. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Thanks so much. Have a lovely day and I shall talk Super to you. Super legends. How good was that? Aisha, just want to say a massive thank you, man, for dropping just so much gold and so much value. That was brilliant. All right, so my key takeaways, number one is model the best, copy the best. So what Aisha done, she knows exactly what she done. She sat next to the guy that had won five national sales awards for their offices. She listened to what, um, what he was saying on the phone. She copied, you know, what he, was, what he was doing. She made notes and then she went away and implemented. And doing that consistently, she was able to be the best. And I think that's, I love hearing like stories like that. Number two, so she had a really inspiring leader. So that was someone that she wanted to be a better person for. She wanted to work harder. And what I loved is that he actually helped her with her personal life. So when I was in real estate, there's a guy called Mark Novium when we were at Heart Estate Agencies, and he done exactly the same thing for me. So little things like such as, you know, helping me to, to do a proper Windsor knot, like on my tie, and to make sure that when I was having like personal problems, not to bring them into the office. So work was work, personal life was separate as well. So like Mark, just really appreciate you, man. Really appreciate you. Um, it's, yeah, it's so funny as well, because we actually caught up on the phone. I haven't spoken to him for years, but we caught up a few weeks ago. Now, number three was I should mention that her mum had worked like three jobs. So proximity is power and 95% of our behavior is at the unconscious level. So that means we're not actually aware of what's happening. So because Aisha was surrounded, she was in her environment and she was you know, observing and seeing and feeling and hearing, you know, like her mum like working all the time, that's been ingrained in her. And that's a bit similar to my parents as well. So they used to have you know, two or three jobs when, when I was growing up. She also mentions you know, her habits, her daily habits. So Aisha loves to go to the gym. The reason that she does that, especially in the morning, is because it makes her feel better. So your physiology affects your psychology. So your physiology affects your psychology. So because she's feeling so great about herself, she'll make the hardest or challenging phone calls first as well. To relax her mind, she mentioned that she uses meditation. And she's also got a vision board as well, which she can, she can highlight. She plans out her week as well. So, you know, not just turning up thinking, oh, you know, who am I gonna find today? But everything, she knows what she's doing before that day. So plan out your whole week, plan out the whole day. And oh, the last one is, this was the very last thing, or one of the very last things that she said was, when you're with a client, 
last thing you say, look, is there anything else that I can help you with? Is there anything else that I can help you with? That is so subtle, it's so powerful, and I've, I've noticed that there's a lot of people that, that do that, and I do that as well. I didn't really even like, notice that, um, that I do that, so that's just a, a great reminder. Guys, thank you so much for your time. If you need any help you know, with your job search strategy, hit myself up, hit my team, that's what we love to do, and can't wait for the next episode. Enjoy your day.